all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. I'm super excited on the podcast today. Uh, a true innovator in the podcast space. Uh, one of the early innovators of uh, starting their own podcasting network and really sort of going beyond even just the uh, multi-network operation and doing things with a podcast that even yet no one else is doing. I'm very excited. Jesse Thorne, so happy to talk to you. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, now, of course, uh, you are the man, the, I like to call the mastermind behind uh, everything over at MaximumFun.org. Um, I admit, I, when I was trying to think of an uh, introduction for you, I wanted something that really encompassed sort of all the stuff that you do, but you do so many things in so many arenas. Uh, what do you tell people when uh, someone says to you, uh, hey, uh, how, how do you want to be introduced? Lately, I mostly just tell people that I play a lot of Skyrim. I bought this game, Skyrim. I've been playing this thing. Jeez, Louise, I've been playing this thing like six hours a day. <laughs> Obsessed with this video game, Skyrim. No, seriously, um, I am... Uh, I don't know, media entrepreneur. I, if I'm at a party or something like that, I usually tell people I'm a public radio host because that's the easiest to explain. My um, sort of core franchise, so to speak, is uh, The Sound of Young America, which is now becoming Bullseye, which is a public radio show that's distributed by Public Radio International and is on a lot of big public radio stations. And that's sort of the thing that I can explain to moms um, and dads uh, and then from there, I, I can sort of inquire as to whether they're familiar with the idea of podcasting. And if they are, I can get involved in trying to explain what MaximumFun.org is. And if that goes well, maybe I'll try and explain to them my menswear blog and video series, put this on. But usually by that time, their eyes have glazed over um, and they, are, they have excused themselves to go get a drink. Well, all right then. I, I like the... Um sort of conditional environment of the introduction, sort of a real know-your-audience kind of uh, scenario. Yeah, well, we, we can't see our audience right now, so presumably all of them have left to get a drink by now. <laughs> well, you see, this is the great thing about podcasting. You can drink and listen at the same time. That's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. Now, radio, see, this is the huge limitation of radio. Usually I listen in the car. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, for example... I'm super wasted right now. Yeah, and yet you're still able to podcast. Not true. I'm not actually wasted. Not no, because, of course, that's a migraine trigger, and you wouldn't want to do that. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, so, um, yes, you uh, mentioned that uh, your sort of signature uh, s uh, cornerstone of the Maximum Fun empire, uh, the Sound of Young America, uh, is getting a name change. 
uh, to the new bullseye moniker and logo. Uh, talk to me about uh, how you picked the name and what you didn't like about the old one. Well, we've been doing the Sound of Young America uh, for more than 10 years now. It started off as my college radio show. I did it with um, Jordan Morris, who now co-hosts my comedy podcast, Jordan Jesse Go With Me, and uh, my friend Gene O'Neill. And, um, you know, over the years, I've had various collaborators. Um, I've been the, the lone constant. Um, and it's always been called The Sound of Young America because that's what it's always been called. Um, I, I like the name at the beginning because it was sort of ridiculous that some guys with a college radio show at 7 o'clock in the morning in Santa Cruz, California, would name their show The Sound of Young America. And also because I thought it was kind of a fun allusion to the slogan of Motown Records. Um, you know, just just the idea that Barry Gordy really thought he was creating the sound of Young America, um, you know, in the 60s and, and in a sort of contemporary media world that just doesn't exist. And so it would be hilarious for us to suggest that we were creating it on college radio. Um, I never changed it because it's really hard to change the name of something. Um, and every time I suggested that I was thinking of changing it, even to something like the sound I would get like a hundred emails from people who are upset because they love the sound of being America. And essentially what happened is, you know, as we tried to pitch the show to public radio stations, um, we really got a sense of what that show name suggested to people who weren't already familiar with the show. And what we got a lot of feedback of was people saying things like, um, oh, I, I guess I kind of thought this was like a kid's show or... People saying, well, a, a lot of your guests aren't young people. I don't get it. Or people <laughs> saying, aren't you like 30 now? Why are you still hosting a show about high school stuff? Um, and, and or, or you know, 30 is actually, I'm still the youngest national host in public radio um, five years later. And, um, but still, even, even if I am young, they still think like... Uh, so why are you interviewing old people? Um, and uh, they said that about Bootsy Collins. Like, why would you interview Bootsy Collins? This is supposed to be about young, cool people. And I was like, if you don't think Bootsy Collins is cool, you know, you've got another thing coming. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I really think that it would be hard to come up with a cooler person in the world than Bootsy Collins. I mean, he's on, like, the short list, right, with, like, David Bowie, right? <laughs> like, it's not... <laughs> not a lot of cooler people than Bootsy Collins in the history of America. Um, so, yeah, so, so we wanted something. We finally just decided we were going to bite the bullet and give the show a new name so that we didn't have to deal with that baloney, um, both for people who were, you know, running stations and stuff, and, and also for people who, uh, you know, might run across it in iTunes or whatever and just think, the sound of young America, that sounds weird. I'm not going to try that. So... We didn't have any good ideas, but we just decided we're going to rename the show in the beginning of January, and hopefully we'll come up with something. And luckily, my friend Roman Mars, uh, who produces a brilliant, brilliant design podcast called 99% Invisible uh, that airs on public radio stations and w as well and was just on Radiolab a week or two ago, um, suggested Bullseye. And we had a bunch of names that I was just not crazy about. Um, and as soon as I heard Bullseye, I thought, wow, that's great. I mean, it's like... It's fun, uh, but it's not ironic or ridiculous. Like, you can just take it for its face value, and it has some good energy to it, and it's not just another sort of 
common turn of phrase turned into the name of a public radio show, which is the name of every public radio show. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with it, you know? I, I am excited about the name change as well. I, I must admit I was one of those people, too, who said, uh, you know, it's a, just a show for kids. But then, and, uh, and what turned me, though, was uh, I heard a promo of uh, some of the people you had interviewed in the past, and I was like, holy smokes, that's like everybody I want to hear interviewed, but, you know, never makes it on The Tonight Show. Uh in terms of getting your show publicized on the even the NPR stations you are on, what is the, is there a politic to that, or is it just like, hey, I made a promo, please play it? Well, you know, the stations that we're on uh, have been incredibly supportive. I mean, WNYC in New York is sort of our flagship station, and they have been behind us from the very beginning, since before we were with... Public Radio International, you know, KUSP in Santa Cruz, um, you know, they picked us up when, when I was doing the show on the college radio station in Santa Cruz. There was someone on their board heard the show on college radio in Santa Cruz and brought it to their program director and said, there's this kid doing a college radio show that I think you should really listen to. Um, so the stations that carry our show are sort of the, the few, the proud, and they have always been super supportive. And there are, there are people on the internet that have that have, I think, a similar, a similar kind of, um, a similar kind of outlook and aesthetic to what we do. I mean, I, I just did an episode of Mark Frauenfelder's podcast, Gweek, and he's one of the editors. He's the founding editor, in fact, of Boing Boing. And I think that Boing Boing is a good example of something that I think that I wish there was more of on the internet, frankly, which is sort of this kind of this kind of smart thoughtful culture world that isn't highfalutin and isn't afraid to be geeking, but isn't necessarily defined by its geekiness. Um, and maybe we're a little less defined by geekiness than Boing Boing is, but, um, you know, people, people like Boing Boing or, um, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, pop candy in USA today, Whitney Matheson, like folks like that have, have always had our back and we've been lucky enough to, to get like to get little pushes here and there, you know, every six months since we started podcasting in 2004, we've gotten a little push from someone somewhere, you know, and it's it's hard because what you need to get publicity is you need a really exciting, compelling story, you know, and when my friend Mark Marin gets in an argument with Gallagher, that's a really <laughs> exciting, compelling story, and that doesn't happen on The Sound of Young America or on Bullseye, you know, Bullseye is about it's really about going in depth and that's not doesn't you don't get a lot of fights or stuff like that you know um and so we're really reliant on these people who get really plugged into it and really passionate about it and it becomes very important in their lives uh so one of the things that you have done you know every uh, the idea of a podcast network, you know, was brand new when you did it, and now it's becoming more commonplace. But the thing that you have managed to do that no one has even attempted uh, is your – I'm struggling to find the right adjective for it, but it's Max FunCon, which I, I like to think of as sort of half uh, convention, half 
classroom performance uh, do you have clearly i struggle with summarizing things do you have a good way of of for the um maybe not the soccer mom at the cocktail party but uh, for someone who is interested in comedy how you explain what this is yeah well, when we um when we're forced to say what con stands for we usually instead of going with conference or convention we usually go with convocation um, it, it's sort of like a coming together. It's, it's, this, it's this weekend uh, here in Southern California, in the mountains of Southern California, and potentially in other places. I haven't made any official announcements yet. Um, where we get together a couple hundred people, very like-minded people, and we have what amounts to a kind of combination comedy festival and creativity retreat. Um, so in the evenings, there are these big shows and during the day, there are lectures and, uh, sort of hands-on classes and the classes are everything from, you know, sketch comedy, writing and improv to songwriting and filmmaking and crafting and, uh, pickling, we had a pickling class last year, um, with a very serious pickler who used to work at Chez Panisse in Berkeley, one of the finest restaurants in the world. Um, and... I don't know. It's sort of like, um, it's a little bit like rock and roll fantasy camp in a way <laughs> in that, in that part of what's going on is that there's, you know, 50 people who are there to perform and present and teach classes and stuff and 150 or 200 people who are there as attendees. So it's, it's really, everyone is part of the same experience. There's no special class of performers and, and special class of, uh, uh, attendees. But I think that really what people come for is to be part of this group of people who are, you know, there to, I don't know, there to be, to sort of drink up the creative energy of the place and the I mean, it sounds ridiculous. I, it's very difficult to say this out loud and not sound like a, a jerk. But, um, you know, John Hodgman comes every year, who's my uh, colleague on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. And he is not really a singer, but, but every year he sings, uh, he brings his ukulele and sings this song by his friend Cynthia Hopkins um, called Surrounded by Friendship. And it's a beautiful song. Um, and John will usually do sort of a comedy routine first. Um, this year's was deranged millionaire themed as much of what John has been doing lately is, is themed. Um, and he, he will pass around this bottle of Malort, which is this hor nightmarish, uh, liquor from Chicago, uh, that everyone drinks a little bit of and then makes a horrible face cause it's so grotesquely disgusting. Um, and then he sings this beautiful song and every, then everyone sings it together. And, it sort of like gives you that feeling of summer camp, you know, it's like, it's like three days of best friends. So when you got the idea to do this the first, you know, time, this seems, you know, just from an outsider's perspective, seems financially super crazy risky. And yet, of course, it, it sells out every year, but I'm just – what it, that first time you did it, was it like, oh, man, I could really lose my shirt if this does not go well? Yeah, no, I really could have. I mean, I had to put – I did not even – I didn't really know how to get a business loan, so 
Um, I had thirty thousand plus dollars. I basically I had really good credit, so I just applied for a lot of credit cards all at once, so that they couldn't cross check each other, you know. And then um, I got I got like eight different credit cards, <laughs> and then I called them all uh, as soon as I got them and asked them to extend the credit limits. And so I had like thirty five thousand dollars in credit card debt. And that's how I put all the deposits down. Um. But and then and but what gave you the confidence to say like I think enough people will go to this quasi remote location to do this thing? I I didn't I didn't know. <laughs> I made a bunch of spreadsheets. <laughs> I mean, I made a lot of spreadsheets, and I figured out how many people I would have to get to come for it not to be a total disaster. I mean, this is what I figured like. I figured out that if I brought, I don't remember what it was, if I could get like 50 people to come, I was like, I've got to be able to get 50 people to come. You know, it's sort of like when you're doing a comedy show and you know that you can get, when you're first starting out in comedy and you know you can get 50 people to come because there's five people in the group and each of those five people can get 10 people to come. Um, and so I knew I could get 50-ish people to come. Like I, I just felt that in my heart. And if I think if I got if I got 50 people to come, I would lose $10,000 or something. And I just thought, well, if I lose $10,000, like that's really bad. But um, I'll probably be able to make money the year after that, you know. And $10,000 is a pretty worthwhile investment in something that I'll probably be able to make money on for years into the future. So. Probably if the worst case scenario is that I lose 10 grand, it's not the end of the world. And like the, re- the reality is that <laughs> the reality is that my lifestyle is modest enough that, um, or at least it was until before I had a kid and that I started this before I had a kid that, you know, like I, I was pretty much used to making $12,000 a year at that point. So, um, I just figured I might as well, <laughs> I might as well just take a swing at it. Uh, now, before I let you go, I have to ask uh, uh, one, uh, you know, question for the future. Uh, you are doing so many things. Uh, at least from my perspective, it seems like you might never sleep. Um, w- if you have the staff that you have, and they continue to work at the pace that they do, and you don't increase it any, can you keep this pace up, especially now that you do have a young child, or... If it doesn't, will things start to have to fall by the wayside? Well, my plan is to continue growing my business. So, um, and that is working so far. So I am working very, very, I mean, right now, especially because my son is, um, right now he's just, just about to turn five months old. So my wife, who norm- normally works with me, has been taking care of him pretty much full time. Um, and so that has been pretty tough to have her not work in the office full time. Um, but pretty soon he'll go into daycare at least part time and, um, and hopefully we'll be able to keep making more money and I'll be able to keep hiring more people. I mean, what the plan has always been for me is to keep focusing my time on the things that um, I enjoy doing the most. And the way for me to do that is to keep focusing my time to some extent on the things that are the, frankly, the highest leverage financially. If I can slip into, uh, you know, 
douchey business majors speak for a moment, which is to say that, um, you know, I, ra- I organized and ran the entire first Max Fund Con myself. Um, I organized the entire second Max Fund Con myself, but I had uh, second and third. This is not a second Max Fund Con myself, but I had my editor, Nick, run it during the event so that I could be the sort of friendly face of Max Fund Con during the event. And then the third year, um, my wife and colleagues did a significant portion of the organizing. And I did all of the booking and marketing and some other stuff. Like I did most of it, but they took on a significant chunk. And then Nick ran it at the event. I just hired Nick full time and two days a week, he's going to be running events for me. So I will probably continue to be the person. This is just this is just one example, one facet of my business. I'll probably continue to be the person who calls up Greg Barrett and says, "Hey, Greg, um, do you want to come be at our weekend fun zone event?" And uh, you know, just because it would be weird if a guy that didn't know him called him and said, "Hey, you want to come work for free this weekend?" <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I, I think as the as the pie grows, I'm bringing all these people and, and I'm lucky to have some awesome people that have worked with me that, you know, we can get more money to. And, and also as the, as the pie grows, you know, as the audiences of the shows grow, so, so of our donations grown. And that also means that the other podcasters in our network get more money, you know, I mean, something that I'm very proud of about maximumfund.org that is not at all universal among podcast networks that have emerged lately is that, you know, we pay people. So, um, you know, uh, this isn't, this isn't just some, you know, get discovered by Hollywood thing. This is something that, you know, I I created my podcast because I wanted to do it professionally. And, um, I think that the people who are part of the network deserve to get paid for the work that they're doing. And so, you know, we pay people. Um, and so one of the cool things about growing the pie is that I get to pay people more. Um, and that's like really satisfying for me too. So, you know, the answer is I get to, uh, uh, as, the, as the amount of money that we make grows, I get to spend more of it on things like, you know, hiring Derek Guy, who's my co-writer on my menswear blog, put this on. Um, and, you know, Derek's like, you know, Derek's a grad student. He's getting his PhD in, uh, I think, sociology right now. Uh, so it's really cool that I can send him a few thousand dollars every month to write on a menswear blog. <laughs> this is something that he might otherwise be doing just as his hobby. You know what I mean? Um, and that's the only way that I'm ever going to be able to, you know, focus my time on stuff that, uh, leaves me a sane and functional human being. Well, we all need you to, uh, keep your sanity just long enough to do another podcast. (laughs) So I want to thank you for, uh, spending your time with us, uh, this morning. Uh, the best of luck to you and your family, and uh, let's all uh, hope you continue to grow the pie in 2012. Thanks kindly, Alan. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Oh, so there he is, the always lovely uh, Jesse Thorne. What a great start to 2012. I'm already two days into it, and I get to talk to somebody so cool as that who would talk to me on my own little podcast here after uh, admittedly talking to some super heavy hitters in the podcasting arena. So, for me, from Jesse Thorne, from the music of Bright Brown, 
Let's hope this has been a good omen for what's to come in 2012. We'll find out as we do this one more time. Till then!